Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Mark chapter 7, verse 34 and 35, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We see so much of the warmth of Jesus in this gospel passage this morning. How, as a matter of his character, he deals with each, every individual human in his creation, individually, with particularity. I think we can sometimes fall into a mistaken view of Jesus, like he's some sort of distant, benevolent, yes, I just forgive everybody, tell me their names later, sort of thing. Um, But in fact, the Lord himself knitted each one of us ourselves in our mother's wombs. He calls us each by name as he calls the very stars of heaven forth by name. We see that in the details of this passage. I'm going to be referring to several verses in all of the lessons this morning. So if you'll actually open your bulletin and and see these details with me because they're, they're very rich. So in the gospel passage... Notice that um, it's a crowd who brings this deaf man to Jesus, saying, heal him. Um, But Jesus then takes the man apart from the crowd by himself. I just love that sort of intimate, friendly encounter. Like, no, 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 this is not some mob action. Let's deal sort of mano with mano. My Spanish, I don't know if that's how you say that in Spanish. (laughs) Um, And of course, the man is deaf, so likely he may not know why he's even been dragged along with this crowd in the first place, right? First of all, there's no sign language in the first century. And even if there was, there's no sign for the Messiah, the God-man is here, right? There's no sign for that. Um, is there a sign in... carries no sign language. Is there a sign for Jesus in sign language now? Yeah, in sign language? Yeah, okay. Oh, just checking. Okay. I'm glad that there's a sign today. Sorry to put you on the spot. Um, uh, note to self, don't engage intellectual curiosities during a sermon. <laughs> um, this man's deaf. He's been brought... So he, he may not even know why he's been just dragged along with the crowd. He probably, being deaf and not knowing what's going on, is often being sort of lugged about by his friends to different things. So Jesus kind of singles him out and... <coughs> Probably the man was rather confused about what was happening. And so look what Jesus does. He, he puts his fingers in the ears of the man and he spits and touches his tongue to communicate to a man who cannot hear, this is what's going to be dealt with right now. Right? I mean, how else would you communicate? Because if the man was just sort of going along and all of a sudden acquired his hearing, he wouldn't know who had done it and by what power and what had happened. Right? It just would have happened because he didn't hear that this was Jesus, the great healer, who was passing by. So Jesus communicates to him in a way across the deafness. I mean, what a picture. Jesus communicating across the deafness. This is what I'm about to deal with. Your ears and your speech. And he looks up to heaven and he sighs. There are these little gospel details that just put three-dimensionality onto our Lord and Savior that are wonderful. What was that a sigh about? Even the Greek doesn't give us a clue why he sighed. Was it exasperation that the world is still encumbered by sickness and sin? Was it a sigh of relief that we know Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing? Did he hear the command of the Father to heal? And it was a sigh of delight, like, ah, 
Thank you, yeah, great. <laughs> Who knows what the content of that sigh was? But the Holy Spirit inspires St. Mark to include that tiny detail, which I think also reveals the sigh comes from sort of a deep place in us as humans, right, when we sigh. It reveals the true humanity of our Lord. He sighs and he says a single word, which is sort of ironically for this parable, a bit of a tongue twister, uh, ephatha, which is just Aramaic, regular old day-to-day speech for Jesus. And Mark, knowing that some of his hearers might not have known Aramaic, says it means be opened. And with a single word, his ears were opened and his tongue was opened, his tongue was healed. Uh, And it's a miracle, just one of many healing miracles that Jesus does. Jesus did it to bless the man, right? It is the work of God to make things whole and renewed. So he's doing it to bless his creation and also to give glory to his Father who is the one who heals the very thing that he has made. But in doing it, he is also revealing to the crowd then and to us now something about himself. And there's sort of a little bit of Sherlock Holmes work to do here. Um, Flip in your bulletins to Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah 35 says, when somebody comes, the deaf are going to hear. And who is the somebody in Isaiah 35? No, look at Isaiah 35. Who, who, is, the, who is it in Isaiah 35? Who's, when this person comes, uh, the deaf will hear. God, right? Look at verse, verse 4. Your God, verse 4, behold, your God will come He will come and save you, and then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. So Isaiah is saying, look, when God shows up, the deaf are going to start hearing. So knowing that that was the prophecy of Isaiah 700 years before Jesus came, now the deaf are hearing. Do you think people, uh, well, certainly people made the connection then as we make now. Wait a second. Only the presence of God opens the ears of the deaf. And it's like, oh... Jesus is God, right? That's the true Christian confession, that Jesus is both God and man. He's a man and he sighs for whatever reasons a man sighs for. And yet he's God because the deaf are hearing. And Isaiah said, when the deaf hear, that means God has come into your midst. So Jesus is doing the work that God does, showing that he's God. That's the answer to that that puzzle. It's a little clue. That's why um, the wise shapers of our lectionary, as they've been shaped over the years, put Isaiah as the backdrop so that we who might have temporarily forgotten Isaiah chapter 35 would have that in view and we see that this is God himself, God with us, present in Jesus Christ, operating powerfully in his creation, healing the deaf. So this incident happened very concretely uh, 2,000 years ago. But it teaches us something that is sort of eternally true of Jesus as he interacts with all of us. It's the psalmist who says, God, you have given me ears to hear you. Right? There's something deeply, it happened literally, but there's something deeply metaphorical in this healing that is useful for us to pay attention to, right? Hearing, his ears were unstopped. If you're deaf and someone is with their lips telling you the gospel, it doesn't mean anything. You can't hear the gospel if you're deaf. God has to open up your ears so that you can receive the gospel and really believe it and understand it. 
if, uh, as I know, I recognize almost, I know almost all of you in this room, um, I know for most all of you, you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the reason you believe is because at one point, God sort of metaphorically put his fingers in your ears and gave you hearing to be able to receive the message. Anyone can process the historical facts. Oh yes, there was a man, Jesus, 2,000 years ago. But to really believe and say, wow, I want to be saved by that Jesus. It was the Lord who opened up the ears of your soul to step into living faith in that way. Similarly, if you have friends or family who you long to know the gospel of Jesus for the healing it brings, for the order it brings, for the the life, the eternal life that comes with following Jesus. And one of the things I pray all the time is, Lord, open their ears. I know they've heard the gospel, but it's as if they were deaf. It just didn't stick. So to pray for friends and family, Lord, keep praying. Open their ears. Open their ears like you did for this man in Mark chapter 7 that they might hear your gospel. Um, It's something that speech pathologists the world over know that ear and tongue are connected, right? If you can't hear your own voice, your tongue is going to, your speech is going to sound funny. The deaf often have a slightly strange sounding speech. Ear and tongue are connected as they are also in this healing, right? Jesus heals the man's ears and also heals his tongue. His speech impediment was also cleared up as his hearing was healed. And this is kind of where I want to hone in and sort of end on together this morning is this connection between the ear and the tongue in in life, in speech pathology, and in this gospel, that that they're connected. God has opened our ears so we can hear his gospel and he's loosed our tongues, that our tongues, he's healed our tongues, that our tongues would speak rightly. I love that detail as Mark says it. And he spoke, his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. Our tongues have been released to be servants of God. This little portion of our body should be a servant of God, obedient to him, to bless and not to curse, to speak God's truth, not just whatever's passing through our mind in a given moment. And this is why the letter of James was selected also as a reading for us this morning, because James, this passage is all about the tongue, right? God exhorts us through his servant James to have bridled tongues, right? For those of you who grew up suburban and have never touched a live animal, (laughs) a bridle is what you put on a horse, right? To to, to steer it the way you want to go. At least that's what they tell me. Um, But it's only a healthy horse that gets bridled, right? A sick horse is not one that you would ride and put bit and bridle on. It's 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 a released, a healed tongue that then gets bridled. Our tongues have been released so that they would then be used in the direction that God wants them to be used for. And this is so important that the Bible says if our tongues are not bridled, if they are not obedient to God, it actually renders our religion worthless. I mean, that's a really strong word, worthless. The the religion here is a good word, not a bad word. The religion of receiving salvation by grace through faith, the religion of life in Jesus Christ can be rendered worthless if our speech is unruly and disobedient to God. James names a handful of different um, corruptions of speech, twisted tongues, if you will, instead of tongue twisters. Uh, And I want to name just four 
which because it could render our religion worthless, we need to pay very close attention to our tongues um, as a sort of application for us this morning. Four ways, I think, as I look at my own life and just sort of human nature in general, the four ways our tongues are most likely to try and go off track and, and not be obedient to the bridle of the Spirit. Um, the first James names very clearly, you can look in uh, verse 19 and 20 of James chapter 1. Uh, angry words. Angry words are words that would render our religion worthless because the Spirit of Christ is in us that we might be peaceable and loving as Christ is. And anger is the opposite of those things. We must be slow to anger. Gossip is another thing. um, It's a a corruption, a, a twisting of the tongue. It's not the purpose God made it for. Gossip and anger. Dirty language. James says, put away all filthiness. Right after speaking about the tongue, he says, put away filthiness. I think he has in view dirty language. And lastly, lies. The word of truth is mentioned in James verse 18. God only tells the truth, and as imitators of God, as servants of God, we should only tell the truth. So those, I think, four things which are sort of our tongue is very quick every day. I'm tempted every day towards one of these, at least, different things in different settings. And it's a fight to not give in to the juicy morsel of gossip, to the, the, uh, the half-truth or the veiled truth that is a lie, to dirty language to, to fit in with the guys. For angry words, giving vent to the, passion, the ungodly, passionate anger in my heart. These are things which we need to constantly be asking, Lord, bridle my tongue. You healed me. You've opened my ears. You've brought me spiritual healing. You've, like the deaf man, you've released my tongue. Now bridle it. Please, save me from using this thing you've made well for wickedness. Instead, it's been made to proclaim the truth, to proclaim pure speech, peaceable speech, honest speech, especially in sharing the gospel, right? This is where tongue and ear are connected again, to with our tongue to pass on to others. There is a God, and he has brought us forgiveness in Jesus, and you can know him, and he will forgive you if you come to him in faith, to share the gospel with each other. And in so doing, honoring the Lord who opened our ears, who has freed our tongues, in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus who's done this work in us and it's to him all glory and honor shall be forever. Amen.